Hello, this is Mary Christopher, and today is April the 1st, 2021. We're in the midst of Passover week, Passover, which is a Jewish tradition, began on the 27th, and it ends on April the 4th. And we're also in the middle of Holy Week in the Christian tradition, in the Western Christian tradition. The Eastern Church, the Eastern Christian Church, uses their own calendar, which is more of a lunar calendar, to schedule Easter and Holy Week. So here we are in the middle of all these traditions. And during the week, I've been thinking about the things that went on according to the New Testament, went on with Jesus and his disciples during the time before his crucifixion. And this is sort of a both poignant and loaded time of the year. And partly because over the centuries, people have used all kinds of stories and events from scriptures for their own purposes. And, of course, that happens now, too. Um, and I think what bothers me the most is that there is a habit or a tradition or a pattern of blaming the Jews for the crucifixion of Jesus. So I just want to point out a couple of things about this. Um, I mean, it it's absurd, number one. Number two is if if Jesus had hadn't wanted to go through the crucifixion, he wouldn't have. He would have vanished. He just would have vanished. And he did that more than once um, when crowds got out of hand. He was, he was good at avoiding danger and turning wrath, <laughs> turning people's anger. And he was really good at that. So if he hadn't made a conscious choice to go through with the crucifixion, he wouldn't have done that. It wouldn't have happened. So the other thing that I've been thinking about in relationship to the events of Holy Week and the crucifixion is all the violence that's going on around the world and how it gets justified. And, and I'm not talking about peaceful protesting um, I'm talking about people who set out 
with the intention to do harm, to do violence, and who will use any means at their disposal to create trouble, create suffering, put themselves into a more powerful position. Those are some of the reasons that people choose to cause disturbances and uprisings and suffering. So Jesus was also very good at calming people. And one of the, to me, in, in my um, observation of the scriptures, the thing he did that was the most difficult in terms of other people and the most, um, caused the most upset was that he was upsetting the status quo. He, he was pushing everybody's buttons from the top down. He ate with the wrong people. He talked to women that he wasn't supposed to be talking to. He fed people. He fed crowds of people. He healed people. He hung out with with like what would be considered the dregs of society. Um, He was courteous to people that other people like to look down on. He stopped men from stoning a defenseless woman. He He just right and left, he was upsetting the status quo. And... Many people in that era had their own ideas of what they wanted Jesus to be for them. So the zealots wanted him to be the great king commander who would form an army and overthrow the Romans and take back Jerusalem and set up the kingdom of Israel again. And that wasn't what he was about. That, that wasn't why he was there. And a lot of people just wanted him to be what they wanted him to be. But he was very true to who he was and, and also true to what he felt was God's guidance or direction or the movement of the Holy Spirit for him. And that takes a lot of courage to do that. It also takes some serious training um, to be able to do a number of the things he did, including healing. He was an amazing healer. And I don't know what we would do today. What would we do today? If someone walked into our midst and started, you know, inviting all the wrong people to dinner... And um, hanging out with all the wrong people and healing people. What would we do with that? How would we respond? 
I mean, it would completely turn upside down all of our conceptions and notions about what life on Earth was about. And one of the things that we talk about in meditation class often is there is the the historical Jesus that we know about from the, the New Testament, from the stories in the New Testament, which do not completely agree with each other, but that's not a problem. Um, there's the historical Jesus. There's who we personally think Jesus was out of our own personal experience. And and then there's also who Jesus actually was. Like there are the stories, but then there's who he actually was. And then there's who he is now. So Jesus kept telling people, that he was going to live beyond the crucifixion. He was going to live beyond the grave. And, of course, that got confirmed with um, Paul, who never met the Apostle Paul, who never met Jesus in real life, I mean, in Jesus' lifetime, but had quite amazing experiences of Jesus and his presence. And this is true for people for centuries. So, um, we have a lot of concepts and a lot of ideas about who Jesus was and what he taught and and what he meant, <laughs> and um, and at the same time, his entire life demonstrated a level of spiritual consciousness and compassion and mercy and and understanding of human beings that is characteristic of great spiritual teachers. One of my favorite stories um, is I was living in Atlanta and I had a commercial cleaning business and um, some friends of mine did remodeling. They would buy older homes in Atlanta and redo them. And they had, they asked me to come and help finish up a house. I usually worked in the upscale malls uh, going in and cleaning up when a new store went in. But these were my good friends. So I went and uh, my crew was like working mostly on the inside. But I had gone outside to find one of the guys and there were just people everywhere working and one of the the uh, construction crews was on a ladder working on a window. And he was hammering away at something and he missed, <laughs> he missed the nail and 
really whacked his thumb hard, right? And he he said, Jesus Christ, right? And the the whole construction area went completely silent. And I stopped what I was doing. I was concerned about the guy's thumb or hand or whatever. And I became aware that Jesus' presence was so strong and palpable and gentle at the same time. I just stood there. I probably stood there with my mouth open. And the guy had not intended to be swearing, technically. He was, but he he wasn't meaning to take the Lord's name in vain or anybody's name in vain, but that was what just popped out of his mouth in a moment of agony. And I realized that the the presence of these great teachers, these great spiritual teachers, is always available to us. And another thing we talk about in class is, one of the questions that I bring up is, where is God not? Right? So, human beings, as human beings, we have tended to create not only God with a capital G, but little gods, right? Pagan gods, all kinds of gods, somewhat in our own image. And that's that's because the trying to have some concept of God is actually beyond us, I think, in in terms of a some sort of an intellectual or um, something that we could describe, okay? P- but people have experiences of God's presence or Jesus' presence or uh, Buddha or Allah. I mean, people have those experiences, and for most, in most cases, there those experiences can be life changing. So my point is that the presence of great spiritual teachers is always available to us. And the more that we are able to move beyond, (laughs) not get rid of, I don't think that's possible, but move beyond our human concept of who we think God is or or how we think about a particular teacher, um, then we're we're in a position to have much more conscious experiences of those teachers, 
or of God's presence. And that is certainly a blessing. That is certainly a blessing. So I grew up, especially through grade school, in the First Baptist Church in the little town where I grew up. And one of the reasons that we went there, that my dad and I went there, is because his parents, my grandparents, had helped found that church. And they started very early, like probably when we were in second or third grade, to teach us about sin and that we were sinful creatures and that we needed to be saved and that we needed to be saved by Jesus and by committing our lives to Jesus. And it was... um, It was one of those situations where sitting in those classes, I began to feel shame for being a human being. And and I noticed that other people were beginning, other people my age were beginning to feel that way too. And it made me very uncomfortable. And then I would, as I got a little older and listened to the preacher, I began to realize that he knew more or talked more about sin than he did about love and compassion and mercy in relationship to Jesus. And Jesus always talked about love and compassion and mercy and demonstrated that throughout his life. So I know that that the preacher and the people in Sunday school were doing the best they could. And they were working from their the way they were taught and their experience and and they wanted us to be saved, right? They did. So there was goodwill behind what they were teaching, but that sense of shame just bothered me a lot. And I was I was very relieved when I began to have other experiences of who Jesus is. But that early experience has always stayed with me because when you're in grade school, you're very young and you absorb things. So I've always been aware of that that sense lurking. My point is that Christianity has a lot of baggage and human beings in general have a lot of baggage. And some of this baggage is just sheer karma, just human karma. And I think the one way to deal with it is that we go out of our way when we are able to be courteous, to be kind, to be merciful, to be compassionate to people regardless of their religion, their belief, their color, 
their age, young or old, um, and the the more we do that, I think the better the world is going to work. And there's a lot of suffering in the world right now. We're aware of that. So I think it it calls on us to be a little extra compassionate, a little extra going out of our way for courtesy and giving people the benefit of the doubt. I think I think we're capable of that. I think we're more than capable of that. And I feel I I feel without a shadow of a doubt that that's what Jesus was and and all the great teachers have asked us to do. To remember who we are in God, to remember that we are all children of God. Or as Martin Luther King put it, that he looked forward to the day when our children would be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. I'm just so ready for the day when we can move beyond needing to look down our nose at somebody. And it's a human thing to do. We do it. We just do it. So, so there. Um... The other thing that I wanted just to remind us of is that the the love that we seek, the peace that we seek, the joy that we seek is within us. It's always there. We may forget. We may get very busy and very involved with our agendas. But the peace we seek The joy, it's within us. Always has been, always will be. Jesus put it quite succinctly. Someone, one, one of the Sadducees or Pharisees or someone said, asked Jesus, where, where is the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, very succinctly, the kingdom of God of heaven or the kingdom of God is within. (laughs) Period. There you go. And that's why we meditate. So regardless of your religious persuasion, affiliation, practice, your spiritual life, your spiritual practice, I hope this is a good week for you. I hope that it's a week of peace and spiritual growth and goodwill and many, many, many blessings. So wherever in the world you are, whatever your practice is, may you be happy May you be safe. May you be healthy. 
May you be free of all fear and all suffering. And may you find great happiness in your life and health. Take good care, many blessings, and remember to breathe, remember to smile. It generates endorphins.